productivity is what you're being intentional about. And that's reinforced throughout this book. Mm -hmm. Because as mentioned repeatedly, it's not how much how much you're getting done. It's not about the hustle culture culture or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's what you're being uh, what you're being intentional with in your time. And hmm. if that's eating a box of pizza while binging yeah. Netflix, that's me playing Mass Effect this week. Like I, I foregoed all my writing goals this week. I was like, I'm just gonna play Mass Effects, and then next week I'll figure out how I want to balance this in my life. Welcome back to another episode of the Productivity Lab, where we put the tips, tricks, and methods of getting stuff done to the test. I'm your host, Mark. And I'm Kyle. And in this episode, we get all productive with the Productivity Project book review uh, written by Chris Bailey. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've talked about him quite a lot (laughs) uh, on this podcast. So before we hop into that, Kyle, what have you been up to? Uh, Well, playing Mass Effect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That is one of my favorite game series of all times. It's a game series that came out in the last generation, I guess two generations ago now of consoles. It's a sci-fi space opera uh, that is created by Bioware. And the game is known for having you play the character in different ways. It, they, the kind of the ways you can play the character are either Paragon or Renegade. And you're trying to stop this uh, ancient evil from coming in and destroying the galaxy. It's a really, really good game that I can't put down. I, I remember back in college... It's in 2012 when our Mass Effect 3 came out. I just binged this whole series. Like I, I played the original Mass Effect when it came out in, 20, in 2007. And then Mass Effect 2 came out, played a little bit of it, but never completed it. Then Mass Effect 3 came out, and then I binged the whole series. And this series is just so hard to put down because like a lot of the choices you make in one game can echo to the next game. They, Bioware did something amazing with this game series where it would import data from your past saves... And then it'll make those changes to the world. So uh, you can choose to save a character in certain missions. Like, and yeah, in the first game, you have the choice to save one character or another. And if you choose to save one of those characters, the other character will not be in the forthcoming games. But if you go back through and you switch up who you save, the next couple of games have that character in it. So your your choices echo throughout the series. So it's a really fun game series to play. And I personally have a rule of playing this game series for that reason. Which is, I have two rules. Rule one, no undoing bad decisions. So if I make a decision that I'm not happy with, I got to live with it. Uh, I, I had a friend in college who was unwinding his bad decisions as he's playing through the game series. It's like, no, that's not how you do it. You got to commit to your choices. <laughs> and that you know, brings me to rule two, which is why he was doing this. No using guides to get the ending or the uh, arc you want. So uh, those are my two rules for the series. And that way, it's always full of surprises. So I'm I'm excited to play through this game series again. It was re-released onto the PS4 last week. And has since then, taking up most of my free time. And it's just a great game series, and it's great to revisit. The uh, everything about it's great. I cannot wait till I get to Mass Effect 2, which is the best game in the series, because in that game, all the main characters can die at the end of the game, including your character. So you had to make the right choices to make sure that they don't die. It is a really suspenseful final mission of a game. And the entire game is just building up to this whole thing. Like, you got to make sure you do these things. You got the loyalty missions. You got to make sure you have enough resources to to uh, sustain yourself in this mission, the suicide mission, as they call it. And you had to make sure that you assign people to the right task on the final mission. Otherwise, they could die. And I remember the first time I played that game... I just was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I was like, oh, don't die, don't die, don't die. Okay, they lived. And I was happy that when I played this game through my first time, nobody died. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great game series. I, I'm happy to indulge in it. And it's taken away some time from my other side projects, but I'm actually kind of happy with that. It's leading to saying I'm calling a semi-vacation where my mind is kind of in vacation mode after work, but I'm still working. Uh, but it it's been leading to like a nice relaxing mindset, uh, done nostalgia memory lane. How about you, Mark? Uh, I've been up to uh, just uh, podcasting, YouTube video recording. So uh, finally back to Apex's podcast uh, to do a Q1 2021 review. That was 
something that was sidelined that was originally going to come out much earlier, but finally got back to that and made a YouTube video version of that podcast. Right, yeah. Um, and then I finally got back to editing a book unboxing uh, that I have. It's a the Canterbury Tale Tales yeah. by Jeffrey Chaucer. Uh, and it's illustrated by Eric Gill. And it's a Folio Society limited edition facsimile. So it's a faithful reproduction of the Golden Cockerel Press edition. So it's like lovely leather bound with gold inlets in it for the the um, 22 karat gold blocking gilding on all the go gilding on all the pages and wonderful beautiful illustrations throughout the book so i had recorded that video quite a long time ago and uh, last weekend i finally finally edited it and threw it up on youtube and i, I just like it, it's something fun to do it, it satisfies my video mm-hmm. editing not that there's anything extensively about it but it's just fun to do mm-hmm. So that's what I've been working on, and that's been pretty fun. Editing is so fun. I love editing. Audio editing, story editing, video editing, it's all fantastic. Um, So that's what I've been up to. And I've also been listening to this (laughs) one wonderful little book by Chris Bailey called The Productivity Project. Mm -hmm. And in this book, Chris Bailey shares his year of productivity experiment, experiments and what he's learned. Mm-hmm. And so that's everything from working extensive uh, work weeks, like 90-hour work weeks, to working 20-hour work weeks, mm-hmm. waking up early, 30-minute uh, meditations, and so much more. Mm-hmm. Kyle, you've read this book before. Why Why was this added <laughs> yeah. back added to the list? And And it's also a book that prompted this very podcast tell us about it i wish i remembered how i discovered this book i really wish i knew i discovered this book it's something that i was trying to recall yesterday but i just kept on drawing blanks i don't know if i found it through a podcast or like a goodreads recommendation or what but i i discovered this book i guess two or three years ago now and i just fell in love with this idea just like this guy just like taking a year off so the, the premise of the book is like chris bailey after college, instead of getting a a normal job, a normal desk job in an office, which he apparently had some offers for, he decided to do something radical for at least him at the time, which was uh, spend a whole year experimenting around with different ways of being productive and then blogging about it, like on a weekly blog or daily blog, about uh, his experience of doing this. So he he run different experiments like we like we do, and he he would then talk about like what he learned from it and what he thought worked and what didn't work about it. And I guess a couple of years after the blog came out, uh, he go, he gave some notoriety in the, in the productivity world. And he was, I guess, going to get this book deal to release the productivity project. And he's since then has become a professional author and the productivity sphere, as we've reviewed before with his past book hyperfocus, which is also another great book that we've reviewed. I'd recommend checking out both the book and the review from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both great uh, but this is kind of like his foray into the productivity writing sphere he does have an active blog called A Life in Productivity as well uh, which I actually haven't read but uh, that's mostly because I find his website very overwhelming he writes a lot so I'm like I don't know where to start so I'm like I'm just going to stick to the books but he, he's been a professional writer in this sphere for a while and one thing that really drew me to this book, other than the fact that he is doing something that was something that I always wanted to do, which is experiment with systems for a year, is that he seems to have a more rational approach to productivity stuff instead of like the other kind of things you see in the productivity world where it's like the I'm going to bash this guy who's I think is uh, kind of controversial in this field. Like the Tim Ferriss's of the world who are like, just do what I say and you'll have like, the perfect life. Well, we'll eventually get to reviewing Tim Ferriss books. Don't worry. <laughs> we usually actually find <laughs> in reviewing it the four hour work week for episode 50 but our library ha- was out digital copies so uh, we can't get them in time so we ended up having to review this instead which i think was a better choice because they could talk about the origins of the podcast but yeah i just mm-hmm. read this book i don't know two or three years ago 
inspired something in the back of my mind. I was like, I really want to create a productivity podcast, but I don't want to create a podcast right now because like I was recently burned out from everyday superhumans, which is, I mean, still on my, one of my biggest uh, accomplishments in life is that podcast series, but it became like a second job after a while. And I just was like, this is just exhausting. So after a while though, this podcast is in the back of my mind. And then I reached out to you, Mark, uh, after a couple months of delivering on it. And ever since then, this has happened. And actually, we are now, I think, at the same number of episodes as Everyday Superhumans. So it's like 50 apiece. So if you listen to Everyday, Superhum- Everyday Superhumans and the Proctity Lab, you'd have 100 episodes of Kyle speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Although on that show, that's an interview show. So there's a lot more of other people speaking and me asking the questions and laughing really loudly at their at their jokes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, the uh, uh, the book came to me across my radar somehow. I don't remember how. It was before his his appearance on Focus. It was before Hyperfocus came out as well. I just just somehow he came across my radar and it just inspired me, and it's been sticking with me since then. And obviously, nearly two years in, it's really stuck with us. So, I'm happy to finally share this book with you, Mark, <laughs> and I'm really curious to hear about your thoughts. But I think. Uh, we should run down some of the highlights in the book. So this book is kind of broken down in, in general, just like like a summary of like everything that he did. So we will not be talking about the whole book. We'll be talking about just the things that stood out to us. I'd recommend reading the whole book to get an idea of everything that he's worked on during this year of productivity. By that, mm-hmm. we'd uh, talk about our favorite parts of it and highlights, things that stuck out to us, and so on and so forth. So I'm curious, Mark, as a first-time reader, what was your impression of the book and what stood out to you? I enjoyed the book. You mentioned a very sensible approach to some of the productivity things, but he did do some pretty drastic uh, experiments to, I guess, to get to that point or Mm -hmm. to get to those particular takeaways, in which I kind of struggled to see it initially. Like he had a, what, an experiment of being, what, completely lazy, right? Staying in pajamas all (laughs) week, not showering eating takeout and junk food all the time. Yeah. So you immediately on the face think about that and you wonder, what does that have to do with productivity, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it doesn't make any sense. But when you talk about the takeaway and you pull out and look at it from a larger perspective, that has to do with one of the facets that he talks about in the book, right? Which is productivity being was it time, energy, and attention? And mm-hmm. so that particular experiment was in regards to energy, how you know eating uh, junk food or whatever, mm-hmm. how that kind of impacts you, how uh, watching TV, uh, you know, sex, excessive things impacts your attention, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when you start pulling pulling the that back from the varying experiments that he's done you kind of start to see or paint the picture and and slot those particular projects within those areas one thing that was pretty interesting that we talked about many times before but one of the things that that kind of comes up uh, in there that I also found interesting was in regards to the time aspect mm-hmm. and this is especially in the work wor- world this continuously comes up even now. Uh, this has even been a major topic for uh, those that were able to work from home during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, the his 90-hour work experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a really cool one. Yeah, he, he spent like a week or two working 90 hours straight and another week doing, I think, 20 or 30 hours. 20 hours. 20, yeah, 20 hours. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a really cool one. I, I think that's kind of like a good, like a... Uh, I mean, it's only an N equals one kind of thing, but, I mean, it's, <laughs> but still, I think that uh, he also, one thing I should mention is that he supplements his book with like interviews and other research he's done in these topics. So it's not just like, hey, this is what works for me. He's like, and then I spoke to this researcher here, then I also spoke to this author here, and then I read this book on this. So he does have sources to back up his his uh, claims, which is nice. But yeah, Absolutely. yeah, but he talks about like how he tried doing a 20-hour work week and a 90-hour work week, and he found out. Uh, I don't think he really talks too much about the details about how he went about the 90 hour work week since like he's self-employed. So it's yeah. a little bit different than like having like your boss on you for 90 hours a week. Uh, from my understanding is that he was like using that time to like, like write emails and just like stay busy. And he said, he said that he found out that his, 
the useful things that he's produced in that 90 hour work week were marginally better than the useful things he produced in the 20 hour work week. The rest of the time went like emails and reading and, and a bunch of other things that were more supplementary to his actual uh, work, which was at the time producing blog, arti- uh, blog articles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it, and it goes into or, or strikes in the face of the idea that working more hours uh, in a particular fashion over your standard, what, 40-hour work week mm. for full-time, uh, will somehow produce better results when there's a threshold to where there it's no longer viable mm. and you're actually producing worse quality. Furthermore, there was an um, article uh, or from a study that was actually released, a global study, that 745,000 people died in 2016 from stroke and heart disease due to long working hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and you typically have this in certain industries, such as the gaming and uh, game development industry. Yeah, game development's the notorious for this. Yeah, the crunching lifestyle is strong there. <laughs> and, and and it's not necessarily the long working hours. What I think uh, that actually uh, uh, speaks to and the underlying result, and he actually talks a little bit about this in, in the book as well, is sleep. Because yeah, if yeah, you're working yeah. that long, that's impacting your yeah. sleep. And we all know from our sleep episode that um, sleep is important. And yeah. It will kill you if you don't get enough of yeah. it. So, mentioned, yeah, that's a good point. He does mention that, like, a cow, you might in the short term, like, sleep six hours a night. But in the long term, that's going to impact you and your mood, your energy, and your overall productivity in that sense. Because you're robbing your future self of of your future, I guess, well-being. And uh, I think I'm going to elaborate on this point. So there was a good quote from the from the book I just uh, pulled up. I think is a thesis of the book, I'd say, where he says, the most productive people don't just manage their time well. They also manage their energy and attention well. This is in the chapter about biological prime time, but I think that's a good way to encompass this whole book where uh, he found out that to be productive isn't about, about just uh, constantly working. It's about knowing when to smartly use your energy what to use that energy for and when to use it during your prime times. And that's like goes on to sleep. Like if you're, you might be still working during your prime time if you're liking sleep, but you're robbing yourself of energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are very um, excellent points that he was hitting on uh, within this book. Even though I listened to the audiobook mm-hmm. and I've mentioned this. Uh, to you before we recorded pretty much every single time i listen to a book instead of actually reading the book i regret not reading the book <laughs> because i don't get to get to interact with it uh in a way and highlighting mm-hmm. passages and writing notes and and everything else uh when you listen to the audiobook of course you you can pause and make mm-hmm. clips in, in there, but it's only available within the Audible app. Yeah, um, I haven't looked to see if there's an, any service, so you have to write in index cards. And anyway, that's beside the point. But I did peek at the book, and I really liked how um, he kind of structured it. Mm-hmm. So he starts with uh, each book has a est- or each chapter has an estimated reading time. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And the takeaway at the very beginning. So before you start the chapter, you already he tells you what you're going to get out of it and how long that chapter is going to be. And what a way to allow the reader to choose how they uh, want to spend the next what uh, nine minutes. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> whatever to read. He definitely, that. I guess, like practices what he preaches in that way. He's like, like here's a yeah. It's it's a great yeah. It's a great thing that I think he did, and I agree with you. It's a it's a fun method just to kind of like get the readers kind of involved in the book as well. Mm-hmm. He also supplements things with like with uh, various challenges as well. He recommends at the end of each chapter, like uh, kind of like foreshadowing to our next topic, but like maintenance task, like having like a maintenance <laughs> day, like like sit down and like plan like a maintenance day out. I'm going to pull up the Kindle edition to see if I can find an example of an experiment or an experiment like a challenge. But he did like meditation challenges as well. Like it's a, the book is written in such a way that like you feel like that you're part of the experience with them. It's a really well written book in that sense. Absolutely. Also, and I like. Lo- I mean, go ahead. <laughs> the, so for his challenges, he always like does like a ranking, like like oh yeah. Like he's like fun. Uh, was like fun, time consuming. Uh, I can't. I can't find figure out what they are again. 
I should have highlighted a <laughs> example of one before we start this up. Like here's an example like the primetime challenge. And he has the rankings of uh, estimate time to do the challenge. Uh, then he has energy focus required, uh, value, and fun are the things that he that he ranks it in. And the audiobook was great because <laughs> you could like like how he inflicts upon talking about it. I was like, fun, seven out of ten. Huh. That's cool. <laughs> like, it's just like it's like it's like a fun way. <laughs> just like his narration is great in the audiobook. I'm happy I got the audiobook. But yeah. Um, so what what are your since you just said that you're glad that you got the audiobook? Yeah. What was your experience between the two? Like, I only listened to the audiobook, and I uh, when I needed to go back because I forgot to mark a a. a particular point mm. in the uh, i listened to the audiobook twice mm. um but i forgot to like mark a particular point in there so i went to look at the, mm -hmm. the google book preview mm -hmm. and that's where i was able to discover some of the format what was your experience between the two i think they translated pretty well i haven't read the physical book though in two or three years i just did the audiobook this time too uh because i'm already kind of i'm kind of reading two of their nonfiction books and i don't want to overwhelm myself so <laughs> so, you know, I read this book. I already have plenty of highlights from it. So I'm just going to kind of, uh, in a sense, audio, uh, skim it in an auditory way. So I listen to it at 1.25 speed, which I never do. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of against listening to things that faster than the record speeds, but that's just a personal preference of mine. I know people like to do that, but I listened at two times speed for audiobooks. Yeah. No wonder you found Unless... twice. <laughs> I was like, how did he do this? <laughs> <laughs> if I listen at the normal speed, it it it's kind of painful unless I'm listening to a, a audio book that has more of a performance. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It, it, I don't do it so much. I do it like maybe one point five for fiction books. Yeah. Nonfiction books, I I don't. I bought podcasts. Do you fast forward podcasts? Yes, I, unless I'm listening to a fictional podcast okay. or a story narration based podcast. Yeah. Otherwise, the, all my podcasts are at two times speed. Interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. All right. <laughs> I, I I personally don't like it. I just find it so much harder to parse the information uh, if it's faster than the intended recording speed. So I, I don't do that for that reason. So that's one yeah. reason why I was like, I'm just going to yeah. auditorily skim this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's uh. That was my approach, but I think that his voice carries through pretty well in both. I think he's a pretty talented writer, uh, and for his audiobook narration, I think he captured his own voice pretty well, as you'd expect. I've heard complaints, like in the Cortex podcast, like about they don't like the author reading the book. Uh, sometimes he's like, sometimes the author isn't the best voice to deliver the the content of the book. But since it's about Chris's year of productivity, I think he's the most qualified expert to talk about it. So this is a way where I think it makes sense to have him read the book. But yeah, I think that they both carried through pretty well. Um, I think it's a little bit okay. better just to read things uh, on text because you'd process it better. Like mm -hmm. the challenges, for example, they just kind of skimmed them in my mind. Like I kind of turn off my brain when he's talking about them. But when you're reading the book, you'd actually kind of focus on them. Be like, okay, how can I apply this to my life? And it really just goes down to like what you're trying to get out of it. If you're just looking for high level stuff, audiobook versions is fine. But if you want some more uh, deliberation, and reading, I'd say just read the book. But he, uh, his his voice carries through well in both versions. Yeah, it it, it certainly does because I also listen to his Google Talk uh, oh, yeah, for yeah, that, yeah. Uh, which is I always try to do. So just to, just a note, whatever you're listening to, or if you're thinking about picking up a book or reading a book or something like that, um, uh, one trick. This one trick will make you read ten times <laughs> yeah, faster. Yeah. Uh, is to, to listen to an interview or a talk uh, with the author mm -hmm. about the book, and you'll get a pretty good summary of the, of the main gist of the book before you hop into it. So I listened to his his talk, um, and it was pretty much effectively the same thing as the uh, audio book. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's I st so I find that kind of strange that that is a critique. Um, I did see that in some of the audiobook reviews that people just did not like his voice <laughs> or the way I he think, spoke. I think his cadence is great. <laughs> I love it. Like, he just kind of comes off as like a a nerd talking to you about productivity, which I guess is what <laughs> this podcast is about. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't listen, he also has a podcast too that he hosts with his wife. I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, called uh, what's it called? I'm on his website right now. 
It's called Becoming Better. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'd subscribe to it if I didn't have it a bunch of her podcasts on my back like that one just like i just be very uh deliberate on my backlog right now so but uh yeah i think he has a i think he's a good voice i think he's a very charismatic guy so i don't know what people yeah. I guess they i guess he's too nerdy for them <laughs> just a bit too nerdy yeah. i only like uh 70 percent nerd in my productivity <laughs> but yeah uh going back to the book uh going to like the whole thesis of like uh time and energy management uh i think he kind of lays down the law pretty easily on that like he does everything that revolves around that like he did experiments like waking up at 5 30 in the morning which is his first experiments mm-hmm. and he quickly learned that this is a dumb thing and it's all about prime time is i think he said it's the only one that he stopped doing like he couldn't do it <laughs> like the only one that he quit doing was waking about 5 30 no no it wasn't that one he did the soylent challenge that's the one he quit doing yeah. oh yeah because yeah. he was making his own yeah, yeah he was making yeah. his own homemade soylent he wasn't doing the, the uh, brand name soylent and he realized that he gets a lot of satisfaction out of eating food and it's saying that he looks forward to each day like he considers himself like a bit of a foodie and uh, that he was willing to cut that experiment out of his life and that is another part of this book that i think i really like a lot is that this book isn't about how you can become more productive. It's about how he became more productive. And these are some takeaways for you. And since you're reading an autobiography about this year of his pro- this year of productivity, uh, backed by uh, like supplemental research and, uh, and interviews. And I think that's what makes this book also very compelling. It's not like the one fit. It's not like the one, it's not the one. So it's not like the, the compilation of like everything you need to know to become productive. Read this book. It's like, here's everything I did to, to learn to become more productive. And this is what worked and what didn't. Uh, so I went from things like drinking Soylent, which he hated doing, to waking up at 5.30 in the morning, which he also hated doing. He even did a... <laughs> I wish he spoke more about this in detail. And it's at the end of the book, he did like 10 days in isolation where he just like cut himself all the way from social contact. Yeah. I really wish he talked more about how he did that, especially since he was living with his girlfriend at the time, not his wife. And uh, But he talks about like the lessons he took away from that, like how uh, one of the biggest motivators we could have in our life is our social circles and those in their life, like at work, like people at work that have uh, coworkers that consider their friends are more likely to be more engaged with their job. And same thing with like uh, other parts of our life. That sense of community, I think, is one of the big takeaways from the book too. Because now, hmm. I guess this is the fourth caveat too. It's time, energy, and uh, it's time, energy, focus, and uh, uh, what's the word? I don't want to say inspiration, purpose, maybe? Other the things that kind of yeah, purpose. I'll say purpose. Time, energy, uh, attention, and uh, and uh, purpose are like the four big drivers of productivity is what I got from this book. Well, it's interesting you say that because he actually starts off with, the, with you defining your purpose mm. for productivity, mm. uh, that exercise. Like, why do mm. you even want to do this? And I thought that was a pretty good way because um, as, as we, as you mentioned earlier, in the episode and you actually see this everywhere and i think we've talked about it and i may have just picked it up from all these uh challenges that we've done and for being a fan of his books hyper focus right yeah. and um and also getting uh, uh from the uh atomic habits book mm-hmm. like two of my favorite books on productivity and deriving the idea that productivity is what you're being intentional about and that's reinforced throughout this book mm-hmm. but i like the focus aspect because uh that actually does uh allow you uh, he has exercise in which you do that you sit down and you're it's the laying the groundwork mm-hmm. uh, chapter part one and you're trying to determine what is productivity mm-hmm. uh what what does that mean to you? Mm. What are you trying to get out of it? Because as mentioned repeatedly, it's not how much you're tr- how much you're getting done. It's not about the hustle culture culture or anything mm. like that. It's what you're being a, uh, what you're being intentional with in your time. And mm. if that's but, eating a box of pizza while binging yeah, Netflix, playing Mass Effect this week. Like I've I've foregoed <laughs> all my writing goals this week. I was like, I'm just gonna play Mass Effect. And then next week, I'll figure out how I want to balance this in my life. But right now, just Mass Effect. Next week, I got three games to play through. It's going to probably take me three or four weeks to beat. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was like, next week, I'll figure out how I want to balance this. But right now, just 
semi-vacation mode. I'm just going to be intentional with this and just relax. There you go. Actually, that's a good question. I think that's something we should talk about since we've been doing this for 50 episodes now. Like, what we think about productivity and why we are so passionate about it. This is going to... This might be a longer episode now. <laughs> this is a... I think a good way to really like talk about episode 50 though. Like we've been doing this for 50 episodes for about two years now. Uh, Oh yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you want to start or if you want to think about Mark or I I Um, go, but yeah. 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 I'll start. Um, Okay. So what, what about productivity? So as we discussed uh, or it's been exposed, Mark's exposed, uh, productivity truths on this podcast <laughs> was that I have never uh, in personal uh, side project have never been like in productivity. Mm-hmm. So after productivity for me has always been just the main focus in the day job. So that's where I picked up toggle mm-hmm. and Trello and uh, Kanban, you know, agile. It, it, I had to do that for work. Mm-hmm. So I had to be very, uh, create things or be very intentional with how I was getting things done, mm-hmm. especially when I was working a mixture of uh, support, which your day changes drastically, um, and projects. So I was 50-50 um, mm-hmm. support and projects. So I had the chaos and then I had the the hardcore scheduling mm-hmm. and I needed that to, to continue. And outside of work, I literally did nothing but, um, well, I did blog. Mm-hmm. I did that every day, but I didn't. That was just something I did every day, and blogging in different uh, genres because I was already steeped within those communities. And then all I did was go to car stuff and play video games. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I actually started um, doing things outside when I started a user group many many years ago that's when I started bleeding in those productivity mm-hmm. things. And each time it's, how can I refine or do better with this? How can I uh, continue uh, continue this or do more mm-hmm. or optimize my time to make sure that I'm spending it correctly? And so that's kind of started my for- foray into productivity and trying to um, improve my time outside of work and all these side projects I was doing to make sure that uh, I was given proper attention to the, <clears throat> excuse me, I was given proper attention to the user group that I was running and everything that I needed to do for that, along with everything else that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my foray into it. And it continued from there and picking up more and more site projects and things that I wanted to do. But then it's also been the I have like project ADD. (laughs) (laughs) There's always something new that I want to do. So a big thing for me over the past couple of years have been trying to hone in my attention Mm. and focus. Like um, before we started, I I had mentioned like sometimes if if things aren't on fire, it doesn't seem like I'm getting much Mm. done. And I'm trying to change that where it's a slower pace and that's okay uh, for a slower pace of things because then that keeps me from adding so much stuff. So for me, it's all about trying to, for productivity for me now, it's all about trying to slow down and focus and, and be attentive to one thing. Now, I know we have multiple things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But even if I'm um, just focusing on that particular task for a sustained amount of time, that's what I'm trying to do because it, it's I can it's very easy for me to go off and do something else. Um, even when I try to restrict all my devices and everything else mm. to block me <laughs> from looking at something, it it's um, what do you call that? The distraction list yeah. is yeah. something that I want to uh, try. Yeah, Chris Bailey inspired because I. Uh, no, wait, that wasn't distraction. That wasn't distraction. It was. It was. Uh, crap! I forgot what it's called. All of a sudden, I get the episode list out. It was getting things done. A resistance list is something you have. Not distraction. Resistance list. Yeah. List. yeah. yeah. Um, and and because I get easily distracted, and I'm like, oh well, let me go look at this up and Google this, and and then I'm way off. So for me, what I'm trying to get out of it is continued focus, 
continued attention um, to uh, particular things and to slow down um, in my overall work to let me know that slow is fast. <laughs> if I can quote the Lady Astronaut book yeah. from Mary Robinette Koal, slow is fast. So that's kind of my history into it, what I'm trying to do and, and kind of um, where I'm going with that. If that I'm going to prod you a little sense. bit closer though, uh, but why are you driven? What gives you the purpose to do this? Like, well, you could easily just kind of toss something away. Like you're constantly juggling in projects. You could easily just, uh, just toss it all away and just record this podcast and then just, you know, watch anime and play games instead on the weekends instead of doing all of your projects. Why do you, uh, person, um, personal, um, um, the why mm-hmm. I asked myself the why. So it really didn't start until I asked myself the why and the why, and which really drove me down this path and doing all this mm-hmm. stuff and setting up the podcast and writing was that I had, gotten through over all my personal barriers in life Mm -hmm. and I was no longer steeped in an area in which I had to focus on one thing Mm -hmm. right so that was um, uh, one thing was the financial freedom so after crawling out of that pit thinking what Dark Knight Bane yeah right I was born in it uh (laughs) After so you realize, like everyone has their different things that um, that focus their particular attention, and so I was not in a good space, mm. and that's why I didn't really do anything else. And it wasn't, and part of that was from a financial perspective. So mm. once I was able to recognize that, build habits and routines mm-hmm. that got me out of that, and. Um, better built that position it was kind of amazing to then see like wow this is what quote-unquote normal people do now (laughs) they don't have to worry about money they don't have to worry about uh this massive debt or if they're gonna have enough to pay for like you have a completely different outlook once you're able to get through that. And I've been lucky enough to be able to get to that particular point to where the, you can then say, oh, well, how about I pick up some hobbies? I got some free time. I'm not stressing out <laughs> about this particular thing. You know, um, I'm not having to do this particular or spend my time doing X to be able to, to survive. I now have leeway and freedom, right, to financially that unburdens me from all these other particular things. And so now I can look elsewhere. It really is just kind of lifting lifting a massive metric ton of stress off your shoulders. So when you do that, then you're like, okay, I've been lucky enough to eliminate this financial barrier which creates all sorts of uh, stress. You know, there is financial stress and financial depression um, that occurs. Once you, you're you able to get through that and you're able to combat your triggers and everything else, so it's still an ongoing process that you have to be cognizant about and, and move on. But once you get through that, um, I then was able to spend time or to think about, well, what do I want to do now? Now that I'm no longer financially tied to the particular job that I have, what can I do? Mm -hmm. Can I move elsewhere? Oh, I can actually take a risk on the job that I would actually like to do. And thus, I moved to Austin, Mm -hmm. right? And that was very rewarding for me. And I've been very lucky to be at the company that I'm I'm Mm -hmm. at. And that further relieved uh, burdens and stress. And I can continue on with thinking about, okay, I'm secure in this particular fashion. I no longer have to be concerned or stressed mm. about the things that I used to. So now my mental capacity for other things is wide open. Mm. What do I want to do? And I decided that I wanted to write. I wanted to get back mm. into writing consciously, and I wanted to try to strengthen that in all areas and learn and grow from mm. it. And so that's kind of what had been driving me is my uh, goal in life, right? My 
regrets that mm-hmm. I don't want to have when I'm 80? What yeah. would I regret yeah. have having not done? So I'm pursuing that. And I am using productivity to help me truly focus to get those personal, um, you know, mile markers done mm-hmm. in this long uh, marathon of writing. Mm-hmm. So I want to try all sorts of stuff. It's a marathon, not a race. Mm-hmm. And I want to help make sure that I have the tools or toolkit mm-hmm. to help me focus in those particular areas when I want to focus mm-hmm. and help me um, detach from everything when I want to de- uh, detach from mm-hmm. everything. So that's that's kind of my why. Mm-hmm. That, I think. That's good, yeah. That answer your yeah, question? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> to talk about, what about you? Yeah, for me, uh, my journey down productivity is kind of in the, I don't know, it's windy or not, but uh, I remember back in school, I wasn't really the most uh, organized and oriented person, although I think I still always have the mindset of like having things organized. Never my physical space, though. I'm always a messy person when it comes to physical space, but my time, I've always looked at time as like a valuable resource especially during college whenever you only have so many hours to uh, work, play, and study. And it leads to uh, crazy time management and energy management. And I think that's when I first started doing a to-do list was during college. But uh, I was never a straight A student. I was almost like a B student, BC student, really. <laughs> I guess like a B student with like some things in the C's in the A range. So I was never like the, the hardest worker at school, but I... Uh, during my senior year of college, I was managing a uh, senior project. I was also a student manager, which basically means I was a student who was a manager at a dining hall on campus, which is still one of my favorite jobs of all time. I learned a lot in that job. I think it's probably the most influential job I've ever had. Uh, and during that time, I was working on managing people and myself and my time and my energy. So I really started to take these things to heart. But what really kind of set me down the path was... Uh, whenever I moved to Houma, Louisiana, which is the first place I lived after college, small town in Louisiana. And I I didn't know how to work professionally. So I was like, I got to figure these things out. And also at the same time, I was kind of isolated with my friends and I had to find like new purpose and experiment with different things. And I found out that the best way to get things the way I wanted to be would be to uh, learn how to manage my systems. I actually wrote down something, uh, my two mottos. I don't know if they both came to me during that time, but my two models and comes to productivity are there's no solutions only tools uh which uh, i think is a great way of looking at all these things that we talk about in the show and also my other one which is progress is progress which is the idea that, that no matter how little you accomplish that day as long as you accomplish something you're making progress and those are the two things that kind of stuck with me and are my driving factors and then i moved to austin create everyday superhumans actually created in homa but i came to austin after that and I uh, brought the podcast with me and my co-host Charlie and we really uh, that became more of a thing to work on like as like a side it became more like a side gig that we're not getting paid to do like a real volunteer project and I had to learn how to manage that better because I still wanted to like you know be a 20 something in Austin but also run the side gig that wasn't making any money and didn't, have any intent, didn't even intend to make any money uh, on the side but I wanted to uh, I found my purpose there and then of course I found out that that doesn't, or, and of course, so the, now this like really answers the why. The why for me is that kind of like you, I think about like how long I'm gonna be when I'm old, and I don't want to regret anything. And I think that personal development is one of the most noble goals a person can have. And I think that it's good to focus on these things. And people that don't do personal development, I'm not shining those people. And if you're one of them, I'm not shining you, but. It's one of my own values that I have is growth. And I think it's saying that uh, if I were to not work with it, if I were not to invest in my personal growth each day, it'd be higher for me uh, to get through the day. And i a little bit more uh, personal, but I think once a month, I tend to wake up usually on a Saturday thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die in 50 years. <laughs> That's a huge amount of error. The, the morality, the mortality <laughs> in me. Not morality, the mortality in me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh no, I'm gonna die in 50 years. I gotta get these things done. But I have, but that could easily lead to the whole idea of like, oh no, I gotta like stay up all night and work on these projects. But I have my number one rule, which is never compromise on my physical health and mental health. That's my number one rule when it comes to uh, how I decide to do things. 
And if I violate that, that is a bad sign and that means I'm overstressed. So my number one rule that keeps me sane is never compromise on my mental and physical health. Then that means getting mm-hmm. up sleep. That means exercising five times a week. That means trying to eat right. And that also means like doing things like uh, personal growth, personal development, hanging out with friends, playing Mass Effect for a week. Like those are all important for mental health. So those are my number, my number one rule is I want to get as much things done or my guess in this case, I want to get as much things done now to develop myself as much as possible without compromising on my health. And after that, all things flow from there. Because if I compromise on my health, I won't be able to live maybe to 80. So, and True, long, yes. And that's more important to me is uh, living a longer, healthier life than uh, having a life like Elon Musk who like works like 100-hour work weeks between his two companies. That to me is just compromising too much on your health. Like one of my favorite YouTubers, The Completionist, he is a video game uh, critic who 100% games that he reviews and he typically is reviewing multiple games at once and he like stays up until like 2 a.m. playing games and writing down notes as he's playing them nonstop. Like he gets like maybe five hours of sleep. And I'm just like, I applaud people could do that, but I cannot support this lifestyle upon myself. And <laughs> yeah, I find that very fascinating. And that's why I did though. Like I, my why is I want to have this development. I would like to have a legacy that as well, which is one another motivator I have. Uh, but really I want to, uh, I guess another thing they have on top of it is I think that a human being should, should produce and, and experience things at equal measure. So you should be producing things as much as you're experiencing things. So experiencing things could be like watching movies or traveling or just hanging out with friends and producing could be things from like writing to, uh, even just like general things like working out, uh, you're producing something upon yourself. And that's my or one of my guiding philosophies in life is you should produce as much as you experience. And that's one of my things. So yeah, that, that's my whys. And I think this is, that was like, <laughs> this book says like, uh, or it's Chris Bailey says like, you need to know your whys before you get anything started. And that's why we do, do these things here at the, pro, at the, pro, I was about to say the productivity uh, experiments, but the productivity lab. That's why we do things here at the productivity lab. And I think that's uh, something that's great for guiding us around. Uh, I think uh, we could get into final review. This is like a really big book and kind of like algorithms to live by. There's so much to talk about, but uh, we're going to keep it simple uh, because there's a lot to talk about in this book. And if we were to talk about this whole book, we'd be doing a three hour podcast. <laughs> and I think it's no, I think it's important <laughs> to ex- to express our whys. And I want the audience to also reflect on their whys as well, because it's one thing to uh, just going after that dopamine hit of accomplishing things off your to-do list. Uh, that's one way to be, vis- to be productive, but, if you don't know why you're doing it or then the fact that you're doing it for the dopamine hit and a sense of accomplishment, it's going to take a step back and go, okay, why am I doing this? I think before we go into final review though, uh, the thing that Chris Bailey mentions in this book that I think is great for anybody to do is he says to write down your hot spots, things that they call them, uh, which are basically the values yeah. of your life, your values, your, uh, your creed, so to speak, like what are the things that you value the most? And actually, I did this a couple of years ago, which I think I talked about on the podcast before, where I wrote down something that I called my anchors, because I thought that anchors is a better word for this, the things that keep me anchored to my goals. And these are the things that I try to focus on. And knowing these gives me my gives me a good like north star to go for. Uh, so my my anchors that help me that help guide me towards my purpose are mental health and physical health, growth, maintenance, career, creative finance, relationships, community, fun, ethics are my all my anchors I try to focus on. And having those there to help guide me throughout my my day, uh, which Chris recommends reflecting on these weekly, I actually reflect on them daily. So I, uh, I'm, that way they're always on the top of my mind. And these help me find my, my, uh, my true north, so to speak. Uh, do you have uh, any list of anchors slash hotspots or do you just kind of keep it a little bit more abstract? Uh, they're somewhat abstract. Um, I did create particular um, items. We've talked about this before, the para method, P-A-R-A. Yeah. Um, so in that, when you're you're setting up or structuring how things are going to align, uh, there's the uh, 
It's projects, areas, um, resources, and archive. So the areas are a list of varying areas within your life that you would like to maintain and improve. Mm -hmm. So, of course, like uh, health, we've talked about uh, this before. The past year, continuing uh, for me personally, has, has been... Um, since the pandemic, I've been getting so much better sleep. I know, I know. I'm I really not looking forward to possibly going back to the office. Feeling like, no, number <laughs> one rule, don't compromise on my health. <laughs> yeah, I am extremely lucky that I am now not, now a hundred percent remote, so um, I don't have to go back to the office. Me partial ever remote, again. partial remote though, is what they're planning doing. So that means that some days I get better sleep than others, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, the, I mean, those are the standard uh, areas that I would like to continue and maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've even, you know, shifted work schedule to help uh, within those personal mm-hmm. areas. Uh, then we also have education. I, I, I personally think that you should always have some type of educational goal yearly, whether that's a mm-hmm. course or whatever. And what you like reading a nonfiction book like this book. This is part of that. I think I, I reading nonfiction yeah. to me is considered part of my growth goal. Yeah, um, you should you should have that. So there's educational things, and right now my my educational thing for 2021 mm-hmm. is my copy editing mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, course courses that I'm taking this year. Um, of course, writing is a lifelong area, so I have that broken out into the varying varying things, reading. Um, getting back into that and actually reading more in depth, uh, more being more oh, fastidious God, with my reading. Design is another uh, thing that I want to do. Relationships is something else that I want to try to maintain. Even though I'm, I never message anyone, but I'm thinking about y'all. But I I just live off in my own little world. So there, there are areas that I have and that I try to maintain and want to keep track of. I think it's time to move into the final review, Mark. This is, like I said earlier, if we could talk this book forever. It's a great book and inspired this podcast. Uh, at least it's my hinting towards my final review. Maybe Mark thinks it's a one out of five. I don't know. He might actually hate this book. <laughs> Let's get to you, Mark. <laughs> uh, you're the one that read it uh, for your first time, and it's pretty clear what my review is going to be. So I'm curious what yours um, yeah, um, like I said, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, even, even though I listened to the audiobook, I did listen to it twice um, because I wanted to make sure that uh, I was soaking in the ideas and there were points where, you know, of course, when you listen to an audiobook and you're doing something else, it grabs your attention mm-hmm. and pulls you away. So I made sure that, uh, that I went through it twice. And because I listened at two times the speed, <laughs> it was very easy and quick for me to do, yeah, yeah. but I really enjoyed um, the book and having uh, his experience and going through the varying exercises mm-hmm. or varying um, uh, experiments and what he was able to get out of them, how he rated them and uh, how he viewed them and his particular takeaways from them. It's a, a lot of the, some of the areas uh, which I really enjoyed, like the particular attention uh, areas. So for like the the waiting for list, which is kind of taking for, from getting things done. Oh, yeah, done. yeah. So he talks a lot about getting things uh, done. And it. it's actually a good uh, TLDR, getting things done, I think, which everything's a good TLDR yeah. for getting things done. Everything's a good TLDR. <laughs> <laughs> it See is. previous episode on that, the one book I didn't finish in this show. <laughs> the one, one of two books i think i forced myself to finish breaking my own rules even though the information was very good um but yeah the 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 worry list um i really like that idea and the weekly reviews the weekly reviews which is something i already do Mm -hmm. but i think having that kind of retrospective is always good to look at how your week is Mm -hmm. going and then what's coming up for the week and all of this was kind of a precursor to one of my favorite books that i mentioned Hyperfocus, mm-hmm. and uh, the particular half of that book is in regard to scatter focus, mm-hmm. right? Letting your mind wander and process information in the background. Uh, so there's lots of really good things in here, lots of uh, good exercises to particularly start with. 
um, experiment with and see how you get along with those those things. But the 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 main area in defining productivity, as mentioned, the time, energy, and attention, I think, are really good key uh, core assets of that and takeaways mm-hmm. for you to think about that from your own perspective and how you're utilizing that within your within your day to day. As everyone's day is very different, mm-hmm. um, and how they're able to apply it. So, with all of that, um, I really liked it. I do rec- highly recommend this book to everyone. Uh, I would give it a four out of five. Is where I'm at, uh, uh, in the particular rating. Definitely pick it up and read or listen to. Um, it's it was a really enjoyable experience what about you yeah so i've enjoyed this book both times i've been through it both audio wise and uh and uh, written wise i think that chris bailey is definitely a talented author and uh, he uh and also a pretty good uh narrator although it seems like some people disagree but <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think that he's a talented author and a good narrator and i i Seems like it took a lot of this podcast. Obviously, it had a very big influence on my life to even get this idea across my mind. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna give this book. I guess, I guess it is also a very. It's like a. It's a very wide book. It doesn't really have that much depth. So it's not really. You could say that it doesn't have that much actual advice, but I think it has like a lot of good overview about things to look into. And since it's not, mm-hmm. and since it's not like a one-stop solution for everything, it's instead a a recap of like his year of productivity. And for that reason, though, I think just for the inspiration alone, I'm going to give this book a 5 out of 5. I think it's a great book, really well written, easy read. His challenges, I think, are really nice things to look into. We're actually going to base some of our challenges off of the off of his uh, in the forthcoming episodes, uh, starting mm-hmm. with, well, we'll get to it soon. But <laughs> yeah, 5 out of 5. I think it's a great book, and it's worth checking out for any proactive nerd out there. Uh, I, I think that Hyperfocus is a little bit more actionable than this book. So if you want a more actual book with the same kind of narration style as this book, check out Hyperfo- Hyperfocus. But if you just like want like a good just like motivator out there, uh, I'd recommend this one. And to close out this review, I'm going to close it out with, with a uh, great quote from the book that I favorited, uh, which is, investing into your productivity is a worthwhile goal, but life is too short to not... Uh, yeah, I'm going to redo that. <laughs> investing into your productivity is a worthwhile goal, but life is too short to not be kind to yourself in the process which I think is a great philosophy behind this book. And it's not telling you to get things done all the time. It's not telling you uh, to work on your projects all the time. It's just like, hey, it's all about intentionality. So with that being said, five out of five. And speaking about our next episodes now, our next episode is going to be something that Mark and I were talking about before the show, that our lives have kind of gotten a little bit chaotic with maintenance. And in this book, uh, Chris talks about maintenance days. And that's saying that I think we need to re-implement into our life. Like I've been talking a lot on uh, things I need to get done around the house and it's starting to show including like, I'm not even doing like my weekly planning anymore and it's time mm-hmm. to get things back into uh, focus. So I mean, it's day is saying that happens uh, twice or I guess once a week uh, where you just kind of shove all of your maintenance tasks onto one day that week and then you just giving out of the way then and then that way you know, we're out for the rest of the week so these include things like laundry which i'm actually doing today i should have held off until, until tomorrow but <laughs> these things like include laundry going to the store meal prepping if you're into that uh and so on and so forth uh, he also talks about his maintenance days that he does like catches up on the articles that he wants to read uh so anything that maintenance is a very broad task uh, or a broad subject but that's kind of the point it's just something that's that's designed to fit your life so I'm going to reflect on what I want on my maintenance day. And then Sunday is going to be my maintenance day. And tomorrow, whenever I go to the store, we'll be kicking off this whole thing. And yeah, in the meantime, though, if you listen to all of our previous episodes, including our previous review of Hyperfocus by Chris Bailey, I recommend checking out our website, theproductivitylab.show, or tpl.show for short. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kyle. Yeah. At Kyle SQ9, where the Q9 stands for my personal website, quadrant9.net, where I blog occasionally about things, lately about productivity, which makes sense. It's always on my mind. You can also read my fiction writings, uh, mostly published first drafts are not really well edited on jonathankweb.com. Where can people find you, Mark? 
They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at AskMarkio. That's AskMarkIO. You can also find my blog and writings at AskMark.io. Until next time, stay productive. So there, there are areas that I have and that I try to maintain and want to keep track of. And Kyle's internet just died. <laughs>